Hey there, love. You are listening to episode four of the Being and Doing Now podcast, where we explore what it means to know yourself better, love yourself more, and share from the heart. Hadley is a licensed professional counselor in private practice in Alpharetta, Georgia. I've had the pleasure of knowing Susan for many years. She's a gifted therapist who helps guide her clients to live from within, you know, really moving from states of overwhelm and situations that involve conflict to a sense of inner peace and clarity and calm. And I found her to be someone who honors all aspects of being human, physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. I simply can't wait for you to hear this conversation that she and I had about boundaries. So let's jump right in. And a quick note, our connection was a little funky at times, so you may hear some occasional clicking. So welcome, Susan. Thank you very much, Kristen. It's good to have you here. And today we're going to be talking about boundaries. You and I have talked about this before in terms of it being a very broad topic. So to get us started, I just want to maybe set the stage a little bit and give a lay of the land. Speaking of land, you know, when you buy a piece of property, the boundary lines of it tend to be clearly drawn. You know, surveyors have been out there and they take photos and they put up physical markers and there may be disputes over boundary lines here and there. But for the most part, you know where your property ends and somebody else's begins. But when we're talking about interpersonal boundaries, the lines are not really clearly drawn. We don't have a printed map to go by. And sometimes we don't even really know what our own boundaries are within ourselves, how much we're willing to interact with other people or not, or specifically in the dynamics of relationships with other people. You know, what's okay with us, what isn't, what we're willing to do and accept. There's also many reasons for that. You know, maybe we didn't have a healthy, effective boundary setting and maintaining for uh, modeled as a kid for us. Or we could have been in a relationship at some point in our lives where we weren't really seen or treated or valued as an individual being. We were more of an extension of somebody else. Maybe we're nurturers. You know, we have such a heart to help people and embrace people that we really have a hard time recognizing or setting or keeping boundaries for ourselves. And one other thought, maybe it's just part of learning and growing in life. You know, as time goes on, we recognize more about who we are, what we want, what we'll do and accept and all that kind of thing. And that may change over the course of our lives. So that was a whole big mouthful, but uh, it is really a broad topic. So Susan, I kind of want to get a sense from you. You know, can you tell us how you see boundaries and how do you frame the conversation around them with your clients? Mm. Well, yes, boundaries is, is a really important issue, and I'm really glad you've decided to talk about it today, and it is very layered as a subject. But boundaries mainly are, if I was going to put it in the most simplistic terms, it's really who are you letting in and, and or who are you keeping out. Boundaries can be very rigid or they can be very open. And so I think today we're probably going to be talking about how to find that balance in the middle and what that looks like. So I often use the metaphor with my clients about putting up a fence. And I I like your land metaphor, too. That absolutely, we're right on sync there, is in order to create a boundary, if you imagine doing it by hand, building a fence by hand, you got to get the post hole digger, and that's a lot of physical energy, and then you put the fence up, and then somebody might come and knock it down. And then you got to put it back up again. So many times setting boundaries can be, which people don't really realize, can be very tiring. So sometimes we kind of get loose with our boundaries because we're tired of putting them up. 
uh, and or the fence is so big that it, it becomes a big wall and then nobody can get in. So it's really about who's coming in, who are we letting in, who are we not letting in, and who are we connecting with. So hopefully that describes a general description of boundaries. Absolutely. And as you said, it can be very tiring, but also worthwhile. So there are a lot of benefits, I think, to setting and maintaining healthy boundaries. So any thoughts that you can offer on some of the benefits for us? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the metaphor of the fences and building and getting tired is mainly about, just to remind my clients that, you know, it's something we continually, we need to do. And it's more about who are you going to let into your sacred space? Your sacred space is the space around you. Um, You can look at it as your personal space. I look at it as more of an energetic space. So who deserves to be in that circle? And if someone isn't treating you well, then you need to set a boundary. If someone is encroaching too much or you feel overwhelmed or they're taking you over, you'll have to set a boundary to kind of push that back so you can have some space. So the benefits are you feel safer. You feel like you can have some perspective on a relationship or a situation. Could be work, could be personal. So the boundary setting really helps you stay centered and peaceful and that you're protected. And mainly that word protection is, I'm going to be popping in with that along the way in this conversation. Absolutely. So you mentioned that sometimes boundaries can be too rigid and sometimes they can be very open. So let's start with the open. If you're somebody who has traditionally had a hard time setting boundaries and maintaining them for whatever reason, do you have any suggestions for recognizing within ourselves first what we need and then how to go about setting them in a way that's effective for us and our relationships? Yeah. Well, if we're going to go to the real extremes of someone having very, very open boundaries, there can be a tendency to be getting hurt often. So this is going to be really about checking in with your emotional state. Your emotions can guide you and they, each one has different information underneath it. So being disappointed, being hurt continually. So we're going to be looking for patterns or feeling resentful or angry. The, the emotion of anger, that's a big blowhorn, that there, there's a boundary that's been crossed. So and many people don't honor and acknowledge their anger, so more honor and acknowledge maybe sadness. It feels a little safer, depending on, you know, how anger was processed in their household. So if, if there's too loose of a boundary, it would be looking for clues in your emotional state. How often are you feeling hurt? How often are you feeling angry? Are you carrying some resentment with somebody in particular in your life? That could be a clue you're not speaking up and you're not setting a good boundary. I like what you said about it being just a big kind of red flag. And I think people see anger very differently and they experience it differently, but there is a healthy kind of anger. It is a huge red flag that a boundary has been crossed. So can you talk more about that, about what that looks like both for the person feeling it and maybe the person who feels like he or she is on the receiving end of that anger? Absolutely. Yeah, as human beings, all these emotions are built in. So instead of fighting them and, you know, pushing them back or pushing them down, if we can bring curiosity to our emotions, we will all get much more information on what is happening in the moment. So anger is a clue that a boundary is in cross. If you think about if you're driving and somebody cuts in front of you, you know, if you, ha- if you get mad in traffic, it's like, ooh, what, what is that about? Well, if we go deeper with that, it's that you weren't being considered and somebody got in your face. Okay, they put their needs ahead of yours, and I'm going a little bit deeper with what that's about. Similar to, you had mentioned a story that I had told you a long time ago. Actually, it was a minister's wife that told me this story. 
I asked her about boundaries uh, and I said, you know, well, you know, to be spiritual, you know, how do you set a boundary and be kind? And she said, Susan, if I was standing next to you and I was standing on your foot and you said, oh, you're standing on my foot and I continued to stand on your foot and press harder, eventually I would expect you to say, hey, get off of my foot. So she said that just like a little wake up call. I was very young when she told me this story. It's like, oh, you're right. It is okay to tell somebody to get off my foot. So if in your childhood you were a pleaser or to stay safe, you had to be kind or do something that somebody else wanted you to do all the time. You know, you may have that tendency to not want to set a boundary with somebody else. That is very true, I find. And also that I really like that you brought up the spiritual component of it, because I think for those of us on a spiritual path, the tendency can be, or it's easy to think if we're all one and I love everybody, I need to be kind. I need to, you know, it's kind of this blanket beingness. And we think that maybe it's not spiritual to go ahead and speak up. So any thoughts on that? Oh, I have lots of thoughts on that. (laughs) Uh, Yes, yes, because I used to work in a church. Uh, I had my counseling center in a church. And I I remember when uh, one of the volunteers was, I can't remember quite what she was doing, but she was moving something around or rearranging something. And then somebody came in and they totally reworked her project. And she said, Susan, I'm very angry and I know I shouldn't be because I belong to the spiritual church. And so, you know, we had to stop in that moment and say, hey, wait a minute, wait a minute. You are feeling this. You can't not feel it, okay? You can work really hard to not feel something, but you're feeling it for a reason. So what is it about? And we pulled it apart. Well, somebody, you know, they negated her work, and I said, it's okay. It's okay to be angry. You are angry. You know, it's real. We are human beings. As Wayne Dyer used to love to say, we are spiritual beings having a human experience. So our human experience there's a lot of gifts in these emotions and you know we're not really taught about emotions there's no guidebook that we're given there's so much in there if we listen and then we can respond to your question earlier we can respond in a healthy way we can respond we can tell somebody that we're angry and upset about something without literally taking our anger and putting it on them that's unhealthy and if we're the receiver and someone is screaming at us that is not okay. That's not a healthy discussion about anger. So then that's when a boundary has to be set. That's not okay for you to talk to me that way. But if somebody wants to come to you and say, hey, this happened and I felt really angry when you said this, then you can have a discussion. Then you can have a back and forth conversation. So does that kind of make sense about that, about your previous question? Absolutely. And the anger arises, it's probably very healthy to take a pause. (laughs) You know, sometimes, uh, you know, if a boundary is crossed, sometimes we don't realize even with ourselves, I think, that a boundary has been crossed. And it's not until we're getting those cues like anger or frustration or whatever. And sometimes it might take a while for us to even notice it. We're just feeling it, but we don't know we're feeling it. It's often not easy to address it right in the moment. We do need to take a pause, take a breath, you know, mm-hmm. maybe take a little bit of time, sit with ourselves, figure out what we're feeling, and then we can come back and have a discussion about what happened maybe. So any thoughts navigating that? No, absolutely. I agree with you 100%. I, for myself, I give myself a three-day rule. And, you know, you don't have to do three days. But before, if I have a real big reaction to something or I see an injustice or something's happening, I give myself a chance to really sit with it before I respond. That initial reaction, we move into our limbic brain, which is our reptilian basic instinct of I have to protect myself right now. 
And so many times we will react in the moment. So taking that pause, like you mentioned, or taking that time out to just kind of sit with it, then you can be calm, maybe go for a walk, change your environment. If it's a couple situation, they do a lot of marriage counseling. The important thing, if there is anger, is to tell your partner, I need to just sit with this and let's revisit it at this time and give the person a time because otherwise in a partnership, if you're living with somebody, you know, it leaves the other person hanging and that can produce anxiety for them. So it's really good to say, I'm going to take a time out, but I'm going to return to this at this time. So that's a healthy way to do it. And that speaks, I think, to some of the balance. You know, how do we know when we're effectively balancing our needs for a boundary and our own emotions? You know, if we're really in a place where we're feeling our emotions strongly, it can be sometimes challenging, I think, to really have the presence of mind to say to that other person, you know, to reassure him or her, look, we can come back and talk about this later, or I love you, I care about you, whatever, I just need some space. So can you offer maybe some guidance or tips for how to navigate that? Can you just clarify that a little bit? Is it more about, just, yeah, if you can clarify that for me, which part? Yeah, it's more about that balance because the goal here is to recognize what we are feeling and recognize, set, and honor our own boundaries and our own emotions. And at the same time, we need to be mindful that there's somebody else in relationship with us. So I'm just kind of looking to get into oh. that discussion maybe about balance and how that looks and feels. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So, you know, especially in relationship, here's where... Um, I would go with that particular one is each person is really responsible for their own boundaries. So if, for instance, one person is overstepping continually, it really is up to the, we can self-monitor. And more importantly, the other person is really responsible for their experience. So they'll need to say, hey, you know, you've been asking me to do this too much and it's too much for me. So it really is about each person noticing and then negotiating and compromising that together. That's how I would recommend dealing with that kind of situation. I see that as being two people who recognize and are present with what's happening and able to recognize Mm -hmm. their piece of it and interact, you know, in a healthy way. So what happens if you feel like you've been expressing or stating a boundary and it's really not being honored and you feel like you're working with somebody who's not recognizing that balance of each one being responsible for himself or herself and really just not honoring that boundary? Mm, Well, that one, you have a lot of options. (laughs) So one is to have a frank conversation in one of my favorite tools. It's called naming. It's very simple and it can be used uh, in a business setting, in any relationship, and it's naming what's going on in the moment or in the situation. So there's no blaming or you did this or this is how I'm feeling. It's I'm noticing. So it would go something like this. I'm noticing that I've asked you several times not to whatever the activity or that maybe it's something they're saying and it just sounds like that you're not really working on that behavior or you're not honoring my request and then you have a choice you can tell that person i'm not going to bring this type of information to you anymore or i'm not going to engage with you so that's when you need to think about what your boundary is because if that person isn't honoring what you're requesting and they're not even going to take the time to think about it then you need to think about where that person fits in your life and how much you want to let them into your property, as you mentioned. Yeah. So the way that you described it is very coherent <laughs> and yeah. very uh, loving and probably very, you know, you've had an opportunity to practice that both personally and professionally. So 
you know, if we see that is how we would like to communicate, and yet we kind of do it inelegantly at first, or, you know, we're not very practiced at it yet. Any thoughts for how we can kind of be gentle with ourselves and loving with ourselves as we work toward getting to this healthy place, both in the boundary setting and maintaining and the communicating about it? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, no, I, it, that is something, again, going back to what you said earlier, is pausing and really assessing. But if you're in the moment, and let's say you get hot and you get angry about it and you let that anger out on that other person and you say, you know, I've answered this a million times and you're still on, you know, yeah, you can go back and clean that up because the results, you're probably not going to get the results you want in the moment. So the other person will more than likely get defensive uh, depending on the situation. And so then you can come back and revisit it and say, you know what, I didn't handle that well. This is what I really wanted to say. But the pausing, going back to that, that's very key. And you can always go back. You know, somebody told me that years ago. You don't have a conversation that goes well, you can always go back. Or let's say something happens and someone says something hurts your feelings, and you think, well, too much time has gone by. If the person or the situation is important enough, you will revisit it. And it won't be easy. Your voice might shake. It may be very nerve-wracking for you, but you are worth it. That's kind of an, a whole other element. Yes, and I like the concept of a do-over. Somebody say, can we just kind of do that over, or can I have another yes. opportunity maybe to tell you what I really wanted to tell you but couldn't express at the time or whatever? That seems like a very gentle way, and even inserts a little bit of maybe humor or, you know, just a softness into it to kind of lead the yeah. way. Absolutely. And, you know, you have to leave that, you have to leave a margin for error because there's an acronym in AA and it's called HALT. So it's H-A-L-T. And if you are hungry, if you are angry, if you are lonely or tired, or if you're all of them, or if you have two of them or three of them, you are more in, in AA, the idea is that you're more likely to relapse because you've weakened your, your psyche. So this is true for all of us. So if we're hungry, angry, lonely, tired, we may not have a, the kind of conversation we want with somebody else, uh, whether it be a partner or friend or a coworker. So you got to keep that in mind as far as checking in with yourself. Wow, I, I was worn out when I had that conversation or that argument, uh, or I was really you know hungry, or I was feeling very alone in my relationship. So I just snapped. You know, we have to give that margin for error. We are human. I often tell my clients, especially my my marriage counseling, I'm married. I, and I know this stuff. And there's moments when I've got all four of those and I, I'm not asking for what I need in the best way. So I have to revisit it. It's part of being here. It's part of being human. It's part of growing. And it's okay. We have to give ourselves some space here to uh, practice give ourselves some space. And I think sometimes when we are holding the space for a loved one, you know, we can kind of see something happening or something <laughs> leading to an expression of emotion, you know, and just kind of learning to hold that space and maybe not take it personally. Um, yeah. You know, just, just being present and, you know, realizing, okay, this is a little storm maybe. And, and the pause can also come, I think, when we're holding the space for somebody else. Oh, and that's beautifully said and so true. And that is, I've had the experience of having clients tell me stories where they've had the, you know, they were shaking on the inside because their partner or their friend was going through something, but they just held, they held the space, they held the ground and told themselves, this person is having, a, you know, a difficult experience right now, or they're overly stressed. So it's about really giving, the word that's coming to me right now is giving the other person some grace. Mm -hmm. So yeah, grace 
to be in their experience. And it may trigger you. It may remind you of someone that screamed at you or withdrew from you when you were younger. It may be a trigger for you. But if you can hold tight and let that person have their process and you're in relationship with them, they will allow it for you as well. And that's the beauty in connecting with others in a deeper way. It really is a beautiful thing to witness, to be witnessed to, and to experience. And I think when that happens, I know in my own experience, it's been transformative. There are some relationships, I think, that maybe we're not meant to stay in, and we do need to kind of look at whether we want to continue them or not. But when we're really present and committed and we want to move forward with a relationship and deepen that relationship, it is a beautifully loving thing to honor our own process, to be present for somebody else, and to just let it continue to deepen with that grace and with that acceptance and with that love. And, you know, these are things that are much easier to talk about than they are Mm -hmm. to actually experience and walk through. But it's very worthwhile to walk that walk. It is so worthwhile. And one of my ways of kind of testing this in a way, not really the best word, but is in friendships. And so one of my best friends is somebody who I was able to say, you know, when this happened, this is how I was feeling in the moment. And did you mean to do that? Or were you aware that you were hurting my feelings? And I was taking a chance. This was many years ago. And we do. We take a chance in relationships. And this person met me right there and said, oh, my gosh, I could see how what I said was hurtful. And she said, I have to reflect on that, of why I would say something like that. And I'm so sorry. You mean a lot to me. Well, this person is one of my dearest friends. And That took our relationship immediately into a whole new stratosphere. And it made it safe. It made it safe for me to say something and for her to check something out. Well, hey, when you said this, did you mean this? It creates a safety. um, It's like the picture I'm getting is like a playground where you feel safe and you feel protected. Mm. And you're, you're with your best friend so that, you know, you can move through things together. Yeah, it's a good place to see where people fit is to check that out. And some people will shut down and push it back on you and say, that's your problem. Well, now you know where they stand and they're not willing to go there with you. So boundary-wise, and you ask yourself, where does this person fit in my life? It doesn't have to be black and white. You don't have to toss them out into the sea. You can still keep them in your, you know, somewhere in in your landscape, but just decide where they fit. A good friend of mine uses the example of a house, and she says some people are in your life, but, you know, you prefer that they kind of stay out on the sidewalk outside of, you know, even your fence. Other people, you know, you're willing to let into your yard inside the fence, and that's a good place for them to be. Other people, you might allow them on your porch. And some folks who you really have a deep level of trust with, you allow into your house, which is really the most intimate space for us as individuals. And I really love that analogy. I had forgotten it. It had been several years since we talked about it, but I think it's an apt analogy. Mm, I love that analogy, Kristen. I love that because it's making me think, okay, who's in my house? And the other thing I want to point out about that is, you know, many times we don't have a lot of people in our house. And sometimes we think that's a, there's a deficit there. But actually, it's really more the norm to have a few close people that really get you and that you can connect with. That's more really the norm. And there's a president, I don't know if it was Thomas Jefferson, there's a famous quote about if you have one person you can call your friend, you're successful in your relationships. I'm paraphrasing there. But yeah, so who's in there? Who gets to come in or who you have a sweet tea with on the porch? You know, those are two different energies or who's over the fence. Yeah, I love that. 
Yeah, I love how you brought in the energy aspect of it too, because, you know, as time goes by, I think more and more of us are becoming aware of that energetic aspect. Sometimes you can walk into a room, even if you haven't really thought of energy before and what that looks like or what that feels like, you can walk into a room and you can just feel, wow, this doesn't feel good to me. (laughs) There's something happening here. I don't know what it is, but I know that I don't want to be in this room. So there's definitely, you know, in the dynamics of relationship, energy plays a large role. So how do you, how do you see that? Yeah, it's two ways. One is, yes, absolutely, your intuition is your other superpower that you have. Uh, everyone has intuition. It doesn't matter if you don't think you do. You do. It, and it, it, that's a whole other discussion on how intuition and fear kind of get mixed together. But, um, yeah, you walk into a room, you walk into a house, or if you've ever looked at apartments or homes, uh, or you go to a party and you can feel that maybe the host just had a fight, you can feel that energy in the room. But same with people. You know, you can pick up on, we're just all clued into body language, whether we realize it or not, someone turning away from us, somebody coming forward at us that's physical, but there's also a use of energy in that. So it can get a little tricky, though, if you're meeting somebody new and they might remind you of somebody else. So you really have to kind of give people a chance because that may be yours. That may be your interpretation of that person's behaviors. You get to know them and they actually may present like somebody who has been a trigger for you. That's the best way I can think to put it. But then you get to know them and and that's not really who they are. So sometimes you do have to give people a chance. No, sometimes I think it's always good to give people a chance. And then sometimes you know. Sometimes you know, oh, I just got to get out of here. I have to move away from this person. This person feels really scary or toxic or, you know, just there's a sense. And that's self-protection. And that's good. It's good that we have that. Indeed, and I think that plays into the, the boundaries, too. You know, as we're thinking about somebody in our yard or on the porch, you know, that energetic piece plays into it. And if you get the get out of here now or don't interact with this person at all kind of truly intuitive feeling, that's one thing. But, you know, as we kind of get to know somebody and we gather more information, we may start with somebody out on the sidewalk, but we may say, okay, you know, I'd like to invite this person onto the porch for sweet tea. And it's yeah. something that kind of evolves over time. You know, we can hold it. You know, if we recognize something energetically or we just can't quite put our finger on something that maybe doesn't sit right at first, we can kind of hold that idea, gather more information, and then include that in the decision-making about, about those boundaries and where somebody may sit. Absolutely. And, it's, and it is about giving people an opportunity. Uh, because, again, we have our filter on, too. So sometimes our filter may, may interrupt that intuition or get ahead of the intuition and say, oh, that person's going to be just like so-and-so that I had trouble with. And they may or may not be. So, yeah, so it's good to kind of do it in increments. And you can kind of see how far people can come. And then you can make a decision of where where you feel comfortable that they fit. Um, but your home, um, I would even go as far as saying your Facebook page is sacred. You know, who are you letting in there? Who are you letting into your, to your world? Uh, you know, who are you putting the, the welcome mat out to? Indeed. So we've started off a while ago talking about boundaries that maybe you're too open. What if we have boundaries that maybe feel a little too rigid? What does that look like and feel like? Mm, Boundaries that are too rigid. Well, I think the best example of that is if you have boundaries that are really rigid, you probably have a lot of rules and you may not be very trusting of other people. So you stay guarded. And interestingly enough, people can stay very guarded and be very friendly and nice and smile but they'll only let people in so far. So there's kind of, again, going back to that intuition or energy, you kind of feel that. But if it's you, there's, you know, some questions to think about is, 
Are you giving people an opportunity to get to know you deeper? Are you letting people in? Who do you share how you feel with? And if you're not doing any of those things, you may be, you may have your guard up. Uh, you may actually have bars on your windows of your house so that nobody can get in. So, and that's a process of, there's a process there that has to be very gentle to allow others in because there's going to be a reason those bars are up. So it's a, it's a gentle therapeutic process to start to let somebody in. So, so somebody can be, appear very rigid and angry, but inside they may be very frightened and scared. And so um, many times people that are angry, it's a shield. It's a way to keep people away from them. Uh, or people that are very boisterous and just say whatever they want to say. It's a way to kind of keep people at bay. But inside, many, many of them really do long for connection. They just don't know how to go about getting it. So how can we, if we recognize these things happening with somebody else, what suggestions do you have for us, you know, as we are at work, maybe interacting with people on a daily basis or even just moving through daily life to be present with someone who's maybe having a hard time or just hold that space for them? Any thoughts? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, the workplace is a great example. If you're, you're noticing a coworker, you're just having, you know, difficulty communicating with them. You know, yeah, you can, going back to your idea of pausing, I'm going to add on to that, is to slow the conversation down and just ask more questions. That's another way to pause and to get more information is to just ask the other person more questions about whatever the whatever you're talking about and, and going a little bit deeper with it and saying, well, it sounds like this is really bothering you about whatever the situation is. And then you get more information. So when we're not getting tangled up in the other person's process or anger and we can step back and I call it being the witness standing outside yourself in the situation that can be very very helpful in a situation that feels tenuous it's a kind of weird example sometimes I find that somebody may have a boundary that has not been expressed and in interacting with that person, you know, our boundaries might be a little bit more broad, you know, than that person's, but we don't necessarily know that because either we haven't picked up on it intuitively or it hasn't, again, been outright expressed. And sometimes people can get upset if you cross a boundary, even if you don't know what it is. So how can we navigate that with that other person? And then, you know, how can we be sure we're not doing that kind of thing ourselves? Mm. Well, I think to answer your last question first is I don't think, uh, I'm not sure you you would know without somebody else telling you, because here we go back again to the relationship piece. So if you overstep a boundary with somebody, it's their responsibility to tell you, hey, you know, I don't like this, Uh, don't do that, or I don't, you like that name, or I don't like this word, or whatever it is that's triggering them, because otherwise you really don't know. So and then coming back to you, that can feel, a lot of people might feel, wow, I hurt this person's feelings, or I didn't mean to do it, so I feel terrible about that. But, you know, you don't know what you don't know until you do know, and then you can do something about it. But I think, you know, it really is each person's responsibility to know and and to navigate that conversation. There may be hurt feelings, but, uh, again, it's this is relationship. This is about being honest and truthful uh, with yourself and with others and taking good care of yourself, which means you have to be gentle with yourself too. 
Absolutely, and I like how you brought it back to each person taking responsibility. You, uh, I thought about that while you were talking earlier about your friend and how you brought something up with her, and I thought that was a beautiful example. You took responsibility to bring it up to her, and then she took responsibility for that, even if it wasn't her intention at the time. So sense of responsibility can be very heavily laden with feeling like you did something wrong or that, you, you know, you're obligated. I think a lot of those are old patterns, you know, whereas responsibility is just really, I think, a recognition of yeah. what's happening. Like you said, the naming it, the noticing, you know, and then really being willing to be honest and have a, you know, an authentic and have a conversation about it to ask questions. So it, it doesn't have to be so heavily laden, but I think it is really critical if we're going to have healthy interactive relationships, you know, and both people being willing to engage at that level. Yeah, each person has to be responsible for uh, owning what is theirs. And going back to what you said about, you know, hurting someone's feelings or here's here's the bottom line with that is we either intend to do something cruel and mean to someone else and we know it. Here's the thing. When you do something on purpose, you know it. And many times the couples do this. They, they say things. They'll throw out the button. They know it in the moment. They may not feel good about it. And then there's the times where you're just floating along, doing something and having a relationship with them. And they say, whoa, you crossed the line. It was not your intention. So either example, you can own that. You can say, wow, you know what? I really reacted in that situation or I wasn't my best self or I was a jerk, whatever you want to say, and own it. And you're going to diffuse the conflict in that moment. The other piece is, wow, that wasn't my intention. Like my friend said, she goes, I, but I, and she acknowledged it. I could see how you interpreted that way. Wow. I have to think about why I, I put it that way. Okay. Now there's no, you did this, you did this. That's when we, we get in that conflict cycle. We're going to get nowhere. We're going to stay stuck. It's an endless loop you'll, that you're in on that one. So you can own pieces or you don't have, you say, wow, you know what? I, you know, I said that, but, uh, you know, I really, I meant this part of it, but I didn't mean this part. So, again, personal responsibility. Absolutely. Yep. And the guilt piece is something we haven't really talked about yet. I think when we start to blame others or point the finger, there's a lot of guilting and blaming and shaming in that. But, mm -hmm. you know, there's also a piece, I think, when we're, again, not really maybe accustomed to setting boundaries or we're just learning how sometimes we can feel guilty, you know, about doing that, about taking care of ourselves in that way. So can you talk more about the guilt piece and maybe giving ourselves some grace and gentleness? Absolutely. And again, this, this is something I talk about a lot and that does come up a lot is, you know, guilt. Again, we're going to go to relationship because we're really talking about relationships here with boundaries today is if you're in relationship with somebody and then you set a boundary with them and you feel guilty about it. Generally, it's about standing up to some, it's a couple of things. One is, wow, I'm standing up to somebody uh, or I'm, I'm saying something that they're not going to like. Now, many times, not always, but many times that can point to a relationship where someone else has perhaps guilted you into doing what they want. And what I mean by that is that someone says, well, you know, you're selfish or you're, you know, I don't know why you don't want to do things my way or it's always about you. And then the other person feels guilty, so they do it. So they're, they're actually guilting you into doing things their way. So if you're in that type of relationship and then you say, I'm, whoa, I'm going to throw up a boundary here. I'm going to put up a fence. You know intuitively and energetically that they're going to push back. They're going to try to push that fence to get their way. So guilt in that particular example is a wonderful tool and reminder that you are on the right path. 
So we're reframing guilt. Wow, I feel guilty about this. Ooh, I'm changing a dynamic. So it's a big clue that you're changing something. Guilt, if you really do something that's harmful or that you know that you know is mean-spirited, you'll feel guilty because you'll really feel bad about it. Okay, you really know you've done something wrong. So the other way to look at guilt is that it's a way, it's a protection mechanism like, oh, I'm going to feel guilty about this because I'm hurting their feelings or they're telling me that I'm hurting their feelings. So, and they just might want their way. It, it, this one gets a little bit complex, this idea of guilt. But it, to me, it's a, use it as a sign that you're trying to change a behavior, okay, and check in with yourself. If you are doing something cruel or mean-spirited, then you will know it, but more than likely not, okay, by setting a boundary. Somebody else can usually live with it. Does that make sense? It does. And I was just really kind of feeling that as you were talking about it. And I think sometimes it just takes time for us to know, you know, if we, if we've done something wrong and we generally know right from wrong, you know, like you said, we know it. Um, But in this boundary discussion, you know, feeling guilty about setting boundaries, if we start to feel a little bit of guilt come up based on our own emotions or past experience or whatever it may be, we can tend to walk back the boundary and say, oh, well, you know, I'm feeling guilty. I shouldn't do it. But like you said, it is a clue that things are shifting, you know, and we can be patient with ourselves the best we can as that reframing happens and as that experiential piece resets itself. So we start to see it differently and, and know where those boundaries are. It's often like you don't know where it is until you actually get there, until you find it, then you become more comfortable with it over time. Oh, that is so key, Kristen, is it, it takes time. I mean, and it's a process. I told you the story about my friend. Or when I've had this, when I really first started speaking my truth, when I was much younger, is it was scary. It made me nervous. I was shaking. I didn't like doing it. I felt everything that we're talking about. I felt guilty. I'm hurting the other person's feelings. So that's one piece is to remember and be kind and gentle with yourself. You know, feel the guilt and do it anyway. It's, there's a, a mm-hmm. book called said, Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway. Feel the guilt and do it anyway. And see what kind of reaction you're going to get from that person. It's going to tell you about the relationship. Also, if you're afraid to set a boundary with somebody, you need to ask yourself, what is that about for me? Am I afraid I'm going to lose them? Let's go away from the hurting their feelings. Because as human beings, again, we're all going to be disappointed. We're all going to be not get everything that we want. We're going to have our feelings hurt. So it's just part of being here. So the question is, what do I feel like if I set this boundary? Am I going to lose this person? Are they going to shame me? Are they? What's going to happen? Why, why wouldn't I feel comfortable setting this with them? So that's, that's, again, going back to self-responsibility, that's your work and things for you to contemplate for your growth. What is this about for me? Indeed, and that is a process. It's really an ongoing process throughout our lives to be with and to walk that journey. I love your, you talk about living from within. And, you know, as we do that, it's really an exploration of ourselves and who we are on the inside and how we change and grow and develop over time. And then that manifests externally. You know, what what are our relationships looking like and how are we connecting and all of that kind of thing. So bottom line, it is a process. It is a process, and going back to that living from within space, the more you know yourself and you're centered in yourself, you will be calmer, you'll be more peaceful, your intuition will be heightened because you won't have, you know, I think we all will always have our filters to some degree while we're here, but when we recognize them and become the witness, then we are in charge. There's a wonderful feeling when you are centered in yourself And you say, no matter what's going on around me, I'm going to handle it. I'm going to take care of myself. 
instead of kind of letting the outside world get you by the tail, so to speak, you've got it, you're in charge. It's a very wonderful centering feeling when you know yourself. It is indeed. So before we wrap up today, do you have any other thoughts or things you'd like to share about boundaries or anything else for that matter? Yeah, I just would like to just let the listeners know that, you know, setting boundaries takes practice and to be very gentle with yourself and others during the process and that what I know for sure is that over time it will become easier because you're going to build on this feeling of, wow, I'm really centered in myself. I'm really taking care of myself. This feels really good. That's the feeling that you'll start to connect with setting boundaries. Initially, maybe not so much just because you're trying on a new behavior. It's like if you went and put, even ever went ice skating and put ice skates on, you're going to, your ankles are probably going to cave in. It's going to be uncomfortable. So it is a process. And what I would say about it is going to help you define your relationships with others. And again, that can create a sense of protection and safety so that you know where people fit and where they might not so that you can navigate your life and as your metaphor of your house, who you're going to let in and who's going to be on the porch or out across the fence. There's power in that. There's personal power. And that's the living from within, really. It's personal power. Absolutely. Thank you so much. You very beautifully encapsulated that whole idea there. So thank you so much. And thank you for joining today and sharing your insights. You know, I don't know about you, but I so appreciated how Susan not only gave specific and sometimes personal examples of what the process of setting boundaries looks and feels like, but also how she went deeper into emotions and the cues and the clues they offer about what's really going on inside of us. You know, I felt like it was a very rich and broad conversation that touched on many aspects of setting and maintaining boundaries for ourselves. So if you'd like to connect with Susan, you can do so over at her website which is susancadley.com. And if you'd like to connect with me, head over to my website, beingandoingnow.com. And if you're tired of living on the sidelines of your own life and you feel like you want to start really thriving and you want to make a bigger impact in the world, go ahead and schedule a complimentary 45-minute clarity session with me. We'll focus on you and help you get clarity and tune into your inner GPS so you can start living the life you envision for yourself. And if you find value in this podcast, please go over to iTunes and give it a five-star rating, leave a review, and share it with a friend. All of those things help the show tremendously. Thank you so much for tuning in today, and keep an eye out for Episode 5, where we'll talk about the usefulness of pain and anger in developing your why. In the meantime, please remember that you make the world a better place by knowing yourself better, loving yourself more, and sharing from the heart. Keep doing you, my love. Ciao for now.